This is Brunch with the Hollowells, and here's a quote from Rob. If she doesn't get... Wait, sorry. Damn it! Okay, hold on. I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna get this. Okay. If she doesn't have his goop in ten minutes, I'm gonna go in there and get it myself. If she doesn't have his goop in ten minutes. Wow. You know I already did what we do in Shadows, Rob. I don't know what this would be from. Well, here's a hint. Goop means semen. Well, I got that. That's why I made that joke. <laughs> yeah, you're not the only one which semen witches, bitch. This is a witch named Elspeth, played by Madonna, in the film Four Rooms. Wait, she's a witch in that? She is a witch. She is part of that five-member coven. And they try and resurrect the divine goddess bride, Diana. Literally, blood, sweat, and tears were the ingredients, and the missing one was semen. Why? Because the witch who tried to retrieve it swallowed. (laughs) Nice. Do you remember Four Rooms? I do. I think I've only seen it once, I want to say, because I didn't know about it for the longest, but... I really liked it when I saw it, especially, I can't think of his name, but the bellhop. He was so funny in it. Tim Roth, yes. Tim Roth, yes. He played a character I don't think ever existed in the rest of his career. This was literally a one-off, and it was a treat. I love this movie. It's so funny, and it's an anthology, which I also love. This movie is so great. If you guys haven't seen it, it's crazy. But yeah, this first room is all about this witch coven. (laughs) trying to resurrect someone and it's hilarious it is that time and it's time for a duel a duel of witch witch rob you versus me (laughs) that's right this is our last witch witch of the season uh i believe we did three other ones before this we did what it was star wars fan uh better animal, animal crossing, crossing. Yep. yeah and lip sync battle so only god knows what we're going to debate about today <laughs> only from the best mind rob only from the best mind all right well who are we uh using today okay tell me who i'm spinning for first uh for me sylvia ganoush tell me who that is i know that name you shamed me from uh drag me to hell oh okay i I hear ganache a lot. That's why I got confused for a second. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm caught up now. Got it. So hopefully it's who would win in a beauty contest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Spinning for me, I get Sabrina Spellman. Okay. Now, is this Adventures Chilling or is this Melissa Joan? Well, Rob, this would be the Adventures of Sabrina. Sabrina. Ah, okay. Who's good at... L- you know, following orders. Both of them suck. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And our challenge is it's spinning. <laughs> oh no. Who would be a bigger Karen? <laughs> okay, go ahead. So we have seen time and again on The Adventures of Sabrina that she is very headstrong. And not only is she headstrong, what's going to take her to next level Karen is she does these spells that messes everything up. So she's like the ultimate Karen because she's going to throw a fit like she does and she's going to throw a magic fit. So that's why Sabrina's going to be the bigger Karen out of these two, girl. Was I way low on my time? You had like four seconds left. Oh, okay, okay. 
All right, so Ganache is from a place and time of tradition. She's also in her senior veteran sort of age. She likes things the way that they are, and if you fuck with her, she will put a curse on you. What Karen do you know? All of them put curses on people with that telephone calling 911, calling for a manager. That's what they do. She called for a manager in the bank because they wouldn't let her get an extension on the loan. Time. Okay. All right. There you have it. That is our last Witch Witch of the season. Who makes a better Karen? We have got a Charmy already set up to vote as to which argument uh, is the best. And we will also learn a little bit about that Charmy. So stay tuned for tomorrow's episode. Part two will be post right in the morning, Monday morning. You will get the second half of the season finale. And you will hear about our Charmy and who won this debate. And I'm sure they know that they're making the most important decision of their lives. What a way to start our season finale. Season five. Sean, fucking season five. Only three more seasons to go. Can you believe it? He's he's ready for the countdown. He's like, just three more to go. Fuck a five seasons. Yay. I'm proud we did five full seasons. You're like, three more to go. <laughs> I found a list of like somebody's opinion of the worst charmed to the best charmed season. So now I know what the worst season apparently is. Yeah, yeah, but we will talk about that in our season six teaser. Today is all about season five. Are you ready? I'm ready. Season five, episode 22 and 23, a two-part season finale. Oh my goddess. Original air date is May 11th, 2003. Written by Krista Vernoff and Curtis Keel. Directed by Jonathan West. Part two, written by Daniel Cerrone and directed by Joel J. Fiegenbaum. Guest appearances is Drew Filler, Fuller as Chris Perry, <laughs> Brian Thompson as Cronus, Will Campy as Demetrius, Rebecca Balding as Elise Rothman, and Sandra Prosper as Sheila Morris back again. This episode scored 4.9 million viewers. This episode starts with Phoebe and Paige. They're signing up guys for a charity auction sponsored by the Bay Mirror at P3. The guys agreed to be auctioned off on dates and the proceeds will go to a children's organization. Phoebe has signed up six guys, but Paige has scared off Everyone she's talked to, meaning none of the guys she talked to have signed up. She hasn't been able to sleep due to apocalyptic dreams. In an Arctic ice cave, a demon speaks an incantation. Imorgo dormio liberatus celedicio. An ice wall shatters and two titans, Demetrius and Meta, emerge. The demon asks the titans for their help in, t- in taking over the underworld as a return favor for freeing them. However, Demetrius contemptuously fries him with lightning. Demetrius wants to free the Titan's leader, Cronus, over Meta's objections. He counts on Cronus being furious. Okay, so I just want to start from the beginning. We have 
this idea of auctioning men for charity. What is your idea in regards to like a charity event and auctioning guys off for like dates or whatever? What do you think about that concept? I think it's fun because the money's going to a good cause. I just wonder like, how would that date go? Yes, no, I always think about that too. So I witnessed one sort of auction off of human beings one time at a gay club in Seattle. And I didn't bid or anything, but they basically auctioned off the go-go dancers who usually dance on the weekends. It was a very interesting (laughs) event, but, you know, obviously there was a lot of sex appeal and, you know, a lot of things were, you know, shaking and moving and all of this stuff. There was no hint or sort of like a lead in to like, oh, they'll have sex with you. But at the same time, I think a date was to be involved. But it's like, how are those dates going to go? Especially if you're not really into the guy that's taking you out. Like, do they are they nice on purpose? Is it forced? Emo- it's just a, a weird concept. But would you do something like that? Would I bid on someone? Both ways. Would you bid and would you actually be auctioned off? I think I'd only bid if like I knew what it entailed, like what I was going to get with him. Like, I'm not saying I would expect like, oh, I paid one hundred fifty dollars for you. Let's go fuck. But like, I'd want to know a little about what they're into. Like, do they even like the stuff I like or even going to have a good time? So I guess saying all that out loud, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's fair. So usually with every guy, there's like a small description of them, what they are into and maybe what they would like to do on a date or whatever. But I think it depends on the price if I would bid on someone. But if I did bid on somebody, it would seriously just be a very chill date. Like I wouldn't go heavy extravagant on what it is that we do because most likely I'll probably end up paying for it too. And I've already bid on you. I'm not paying more to take you out either. Like I would think they would pay, but I'm sure it'll just involve like a dinner and just like talk or whatever. I wouldn't mind being on the other end just because I know like I'm very pleasant to have dinner with and I like so many things I can usually find something to connect with. I would just feel pressured to like I have to perform. You know what I mean? I have to be on it. I have to show them a good time because they paid for it. I think I would get super nervous depending on how much money was spent. But then like so you go up there and like they don't bid on you. I would feel horrified. Yeah, that would that would be that would be ugly. (laughs) So Paige's intuition has been flaring up again. Usually at this point, if she's dreaming about something, you better take it seriously. But of course, the sisters don't think much about it. Did you happen to recognize the demon who resurrected the Titans? Probably not, given that he looks so different than the character that I'm thinking of. But did you happen to recognize him, Sean? You know I hate when you do this to me. And no, Rob. No, I didn't. No, you didn't get a text message, so you already know. Uh, I wonder if any Charmies picked this up. So this is actually the gentleman who plays Grumpy on Once Upon a Time. Oh, that's right. I did look that up this morning, so I did know that. But to be fair, I didn't recognize without looking him up. So that answers your question. <laughs> so speaking of this demon, okay, we have this 
this storyline that takes two parts to tell and basically Titans who are one of their biggest foes are up against the charm ones. And the reason for their release is become some low level demon was like, I'm going to release these Titans who think they're gods who are gods. And they're just going to listen to anything that I tell them to do because I freed them. Are you fucking kidding me? I thought that was the worst reason to release something as big as the Titans onto the world because some demon thought they were just going to do him a solid. Yeah, from his standpoint, I could see how, like, usually that's how it goes. Like, I freed you, I'm your master. But yeah, you can't just assume that. Like, I need that shit in writing. <laughs> that's he, he, it took him, I think he said, about 10 years to release him. And it's like, clearly you should have done your research, or I'm sure you did, and you really thought they were just going to agree to help you take over the underworld so you can be the ruler. Like, these are gods. They're not, oh, I just thought that was hilarious. But yeah. We get Demetrius and Meta, and I love how Demetrius, back in the day, when he became a titan, or be when he became a god, is that it was during the time where he was shopping at Claire's for his two fake silver loop earrings he had in his ear. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I fucking love that. I love the fact that a Titan is wearing loop earrings. That is hilarious. I don't know the significance of that. I just found that to be funny. Piper has gotten her first good night's sleep in some time, thanks to Wyatt finally sleeping through the night, despite an unusual heat wave in San Francisco. Phoebe is complaining about the heat, and Piper shows her the phone bill. Phoebe explains that she doesn't know where she and Jason stand, so she has to make a lot of phone calls. Piper and Leo had sex for the first time in months. Paige comes in and complains about her dreams and the weather. The sisters begin to suspect magic. Meta is skeptical about freeing Cronus. She thinks that she and Demetrius have more than enough power between them to take over the world. However... Demetrius wants revenge on the elders as well and thinks they need Cronus's power to get it. He tells Meta to find and kill some white lighters. Meta whirls away while Demetrius raises a storm to free Cronus. Piper and Leo are at the park with Daryl and Sheila. Daryl tells Piper and Leo that he didn't get much sleep at first when his son was born. Suddenly, Leo gets an urgent call from the elders and heads away. Daryl reveals that Sheila already knows about their magic. I thought it was so funny, Rob, that just last week we had a whole discussion on why did Paige say at least I'm getting some, and then they answer it here, because we have been sleeping together for exactly the reasons that we said, Rob. Continuity is amazing. Great job on the writers for pointing that out. I thought Daryl looked so great out of the suit and tie for once. It's just the casual look does it for me. I thought he looked great. Just wanted to point that out. Mm -hmm. Sean, Daryl's son, believe it or not, was in Buffy. Really? Do you remember towards the end of the series, a gentleman named Robin Wood? He became principal at Sunny... Um, Sunnydale basically was um, there to to get revenge for his mother, Nikki Wood, dying, which was the slayer that Spike killed. Yes, he was a sexy black man that I wanted him to be with Buffy because I felt like they had chemistry. I completely forgot D.B. Woodbine was in this show. Currently, he's on Lucifer, which I love him on there also, but I completely forgot he was on Buffy. Well, Daryl's son played robin as a little boy oh wow yeah yeah 
So I have a question about the whole Sheila thing. This was very casually overlooked, but I want to bring it to light and talk more about it. Sheila knows that the sisters are uh, witches, and I love the fact that she's totally cool with it. I mean, we don't know her initial reaction. She probably freaked out and was like, oh my God, demons exist, which I would find very troubling if she didn't have that type of reaction, but she's totally cool with the witches being witches. And... I, that's why I love her, because she is just so fucking cool. But what do you think about the fact that Sheila knows, and that Daryl told her, and that Daryl told her without even telling the sisters that he told her? Wow, that is a loaded question, if I've ever heard one. That was like, <laughs> comma, 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 colon, <laughs> period. Uh, <laughs> I have this kind of rule, like, if I'm going to tell somebody something, I need to expect that they're going to tell their spouse, because... In my opinion, when you're in a relationship, like you have to find, especially when you live with them, you have to find something to talk to them about almost 24 seven sometimes. So what it comes down to is you're going to talk other people's business. And I think that's fair because you shouldn't expect couples to hide things from each other. Well, yeah, I mean, you run out of things to say. You're going to start talking about secrets that you shouldn't be telling. It's just natural. And I'm really glad that you brought that up, Sean. I think it is 100% right for Daryl to tell his wife. I mean, to keep the secret from her is just messed up. I don't know exactly how long he she's known. They didn't even bat an eye over the fact that she knew. But here's the other thing. Sheila knowing technically puts her life in danger because she is aware of magic in the world so as daryl as her husband do you think it was safe for him to tell his wife about this well okay here's my rebuttal since daryl already knows he's already in danger and he kind of found out through andy i feel that him knowing puts her at danger anyway so it's safer to tell her to let her know what she's in for so that they can make decisions together that makes sense and and i i'm glad that she knows i mean we can trust daryl right i mean if he tells sheila i guess it's for the same reason like She's definitely not going to say anything, but it's really cool that she knows and is okay with it. Now, with that being said, would you like her to be more into the show because she knows about it and like be involved? Or is it cool that she just sort of plays a side character here and there? I'd actually like to see her more just because she's so beautiful. It brings that kind of realism to Daryl. So like I'd be here for it if she was in it more. So then we see Pleo are throwing in their counseling rules. (laughs) (laughs) with their discussions and again another big part of continuity is that they've continued to see this counselor even after the flashback episode so i think that's awesome what did you think about their rules and how they were having sort of a calm argument i like it i think it's a step in the right direction because as we've noticed it just feels like piper demands things and leo submits so like this is definitely more of a conversation and more of like Let's do this together since you are an adult. Part of the theme in this episode is that we see Piper's normal world being challenged again once she has it. I mean, Phoebe mentioned this earlier when Piper brought up that they're having a sex life again. Seeing this scene and just having these two couples sort of bond over the fact of marriage counseling and also normalizing marriage counseling, which I think is awesome, I think was important to have in this scene and and just in general because, yes, it is 
is about magic, but these human conditions are, are definitely important, especially when they have a kid. So I found it really cool that they had a scene like this. Not only do we get kind of life lessons from it, like you said, but we also see the normalcy of the sisters with, before all the madness hit. Did you find it a little weird looking at Leo today after our review of Sleepwalkers? <laughs> I didn't, but I like Leo so much better with his hair in this than I did in Sleepwalkers. Yeah, there was a lot of volume going on in that movie, <laughs> but <laughs> I think he looks good with the shorter hair. But I do, I was I was talking about sleep, Sleepwalkers this weekend, Rob, about just how good it was. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah so charmies if you didn't know we reviewed sleepwalkers along with another film to talk about horror movies uh done by our charmed men as we did women before at p3 elise and phoebe are making final preparations for the auction elise really wants the charity to go without a hitch and requests that phoebe thank her sister for donate donating her club for charity elise talked with jason earlier and he said it was almost as hot in hong kong as it is in san francisco phoebe feels really weird ending a good relationship abruptly and elise at the risk of advising the advice columnist suggests phoebe bid on a bachelor so she can have a relationship closer to home suddenly Paige walks in with a two heavy coats she tells phoebe that she's read the i ching tarot cards and other supernatural sources all of which report something big going down. Paige orbs Phoebe to the ice cave where the Titans were unleashed, and Phoebe gets a premonition that we don't get to see from the remains of the demon. She sees Demetrius and Meta emerging from the ice wall, and the ice cave collapses as Demetrius frees Cronus. So, Sean, do you recall Jason and Phoebe breaking up when she denied the trip to Hong Kong? Oh, wait, they didn't, did they? Well, I don't think they officially said it for us, the viewers, to hear it, but apparently because he chose to leave for six months, that was sort of a unified decision that they can either date other people or that they weren't officially together until Jason comes back. Because she was like, if Jason comes back, I'll give it another shot. But I don't remember them officially breaking up. Yeah, yeah, they didn't say that. But yeah, it was definitely, like you said, implied because that line... That we loved where he was basically like, I should have bought you jewelry. I got that as very much like, this is the end. <laughs> I should have done something to help keep it together. <laughs> and of course, as Cronus is freed, you recognize Cronus. Now, Charmies, this was the text that I got this morning. <laughs> there you go. Yes, And it wasn't and you... this morning. It was yesterday. I watched it ahead because it's long. Oh, yeah, yesterday. So what was the text you sent me? Uh, did it just say the judge? It just said judge. Okay, <laughs> did you understand it? I was like, Mike Judge, the creator of Beavis and Butthead? Is that what you're talking about? What are you doing? I don't get it. And then, no, I replied with Lucas, because he's mm -hmm. Lucas to me. He is not the judge. He was always be Lucas to me from Buffy. Yeah, that would make more sense, because you actually see his face without all that makeup on. <laughs> <laughs> Being on the show, Sean, we do have to recognize that he is not just a Buffy alum. He is also a Charmed alum. Cronus was also one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. That's right. He, I thought he was on it before. Yes, yes. Uh, he wasn't seen as much because he was taken to the netherworld or the other world or the mirror world or the goop world that you pointed <laughs> out, Sean. But yes, he was one of the four horsemen. The sisters are trying to get a fix on who Phoebe saw in her premonition when Leo orbs in. 
He reports that a white lighter has gone missing, and he didn't die from a dark lighter's arrow. The sisters and Leo believe that all white lighters should be grounded. Leo persuades the elders to do this. Meta appears to a white lighter and, with a gaze, turns her to stone and places her next to another petrified white lighter. She whirls back to the attic where Cronus and Demetrius are waiting. Cronus wants to attack the elders now, but Demetrius thinks that only two will not be enough. Cronus and Demetrius take the power from the two petrified white lighters and the statues crumble. Leo rushes in late for a counseling appointment when, much to Piper's frustration, he gets an urgent jingle. Well, I notice that our sisters are dressing very spring. I love all the light and bright colors that they're wearing. I thought they all looked great in this episode. Paige is reading the Book of Shadows and finds the page on the Titans. She wants to lure them to the manor and vanquish them. But Phoebe isn't sure about doing this until they know who they're dealing with. Page orbs and attracts Meta. Page tries to vanquish Meta, but the potion have no effect. Meta blasts Page, and in that moment, a white lighter orbs in. He warns Phoebe not to look in Meta's eyes, and the white lighter throws potions, and Meta retreats, but Page has been turned to stone. Oh, that was Page? I thought she turned into Christina Ricci and then turned to stone. <laughs> You're funny. Now, I just want to unpack this particular scene. So Paige wants Phoebe to go and do this sort of like, let's attract a Titan and bring them here. I have potions that will beat them. First of all, Phoebe, until you get an active power, I'm not carrying out any half-ass plan with her. I'm not doing it. Like, I need another active power here if we're going to do something like this. But... I have to point out that Paige, you've been good so far this season, and then you wait to the finale to fuck it up. I do <laughs> not like this plan. I don't like that she went in without Piper, and it's a fucking Titan. Like, she read about them, and she still felt that she could take them on with a sister without an active power. What did you think about Paige's plan? Not good. Not good at all. Yeah, everybody's, like, not treating these gods with, you know, the title that they have. A god. <laughs> she was almost had a flawless year i'm it just sucks that she came up with this i didn't like it but i i get it she is on this power struggle and and wants to you know do her witch thing but yeah not a good plan the white lighter identifies himself as chris perry and says that he's from the future according to chris in this time Paige had died on this day and would have been the third white lighter to be killed by the titans as a result, the power of three was permanently destroyed, and the Titans had taken over the world. Piper and Phoebe are skeptical until Leo orbs back in and tells them that a second Y-Lighter had gone missing earlier. They hear a commotion downstairs and find the manor overrun with magical beings, including fairies, leprechauns, the elf nanny, a wood nymph, and the attractive buff male oracle. <laughs> so, Sean, we meet Chris Perry from the future. Charmed has decided to take on the very confusing and very difficult skill of writing in time travel rules into this verse. And I hate having to learn more time travel rules because Every movie, every show does it different, and it is annoying. Do you look forward to all this time travel talk? Bitch, I am an X-Men fan. This is what I live for. 
<laughs> All right, well, point out any shenanigans as you see fit, but it's going to hurt my head with all the plot holes that they're going to have from later on. It's just it's just asinine. But we're going to have to be dealing with time travel rules, so bear with us, Charmies. We will do the best we can <laughs> on keeping this our story straight. My first question to you, Sean, do you ha- do you trust Chris's story? Chris I don't know what to make of him yet. Like, I am going to say I do, but I think there's more to it. I know you know who he is. I know this. We have to keep in mind that there might be Charmies who do who may be watching it with us. I don't know. I don't want to spoil it. I feel that the show is so old. Like, we should we shouldn't have to, but... It's up to you. Now, Rob, this is the moment. This is the moment we've all been waiting for. So Chris is the thing that Erica spoiled for me. Now all you Charmies know. Yes, I wish I can point out exactly which episode it was, but it was revealed the identity of Chris, who he is. And Sean knows, but in case anyone here is watching and I'm watching, if anybody here is listening and don't know, We will do our very best to not reveal so it does not spoil for you and you can still continue to enjoy the show as you've been doing for the last five seasons. So let's see if we can do this. I will say this. So if you don't want to know, if you're watching for the first time, don't look up the actor on IMDb because it tells you right there also. Exactly. The sisters and Leo corral the magical beings into the conservatory. Phoebe expresses her amazement at the male oracle's impressive appearance. The elf nanny, which I love that it's her again. I remembered her from that earlier episode. Mm -hmm. The elf nanny explains that the magical beings sensed something was very wrong, so they took refuge in the manor. She hears Wyatt crying and goes up to change him. Piper goes back to the attic to find Chris leafing through the book. Chris explains to Piper that the Titans were more than anyone could handle. The elders only defeated them by giving several mortals massive powers. The mortals managed to trap the Titans in ice, but got overwhelmed by their new powers and declared themselves gods. They then took over the world themselves, becoming the Greek gods of mythology. The elders swore never to create gods again. With all the mythical creatures in the manor, I really love that scene because each of those creatures, like we've seen throughout this whole season, so it made sense for them all to be there. It was a nice little like reunion of all these things that we've learned and experienced. Having said that, Rob, it made me dislike that about the new Charmed even more (laughs) because... I feel like all these creatures showed up at the manor in the end of season one with like no reason. Like we hadn't really seen that there's fairies and all these things and they just were there. Trust me, I was thinking about this scene the minute that happened in the reboot and it just irked me when I found out what they had done with it once season two started and it and it just made me so furious. But yeah, this is what I was referring to because they kind of did the same thing. Yeah, because now I see even more. Because I remember I told you at the time when I watched season one of Charmed, I felt like they just like threw so much into that season. Now I see they basically threw like elements of season one through five, who knows, maybe even more, all into this one poor little season. 
Yeah, and I, I think a lot of Heavy Charm fans of the original noticed the same thing. They did their very best to try and make it their own, but there was just too much of the original put into this, and it, it just didn't work for me. So I, I, I had to I had to leave because it, it, it just wasn't that far away from the original. And it yeah, so anyways, but now you see what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I get it. So something that I forgot to mention back in the previous scene is that Cronus got super angry with Meta for exposing herself to the witches. And so he vanquished her with a steam of fire. Now, what did you think about Meta dying? Um, I was a little surprised because they seem like very powerful beings, I guess. And with like the way gods are written in like, textbooks and stuff they're always like these beings that just keep sticking around so it was kind of surprising that you just like offhandedly killed her yeah i hated that the one woman in the group happened to die i mean she kind of fucked up yeah i don't i don't know but i mean to to die i mean this is why she probably didn't want to you know release him to begin with because he's capable of this crap but as demetrius do you think that he should have continued to work with him i guess you know back in their day you know, you don't defy the leader no matter what he does to you, but he obviously liked her, so I just, you know, it's kind of fucked up. Yeah, but I mean, with those earrings, he probably also likes other dudes too, so he's just <laughs> switching from her to Cronus. <laughs> Sean, I just wanted to point out that Charmy Ryan pointed this out to me re-watching Necromancing for the Stone, or Necromancing the Stone, once he sent me this, I also noticed it in this episode, and it turns out that the manor and the attic where the window is is so high that you can see a clear view of the city of San Francisco to the point to where there are skyscrapers in view of the window in the attic, even though that the manor is located in a residential area. (laughs) That's funny. So he sent me a photo of this in that episode, and then I noticed it in the episode as well when she's talking to Chris. You can clearly see a city in the background as if they're across the street from like like Amazon or something. It was... (laughs) It was so crazy, but I have never noticed this backdrop before in my life. Apparently, they are at that much of a high rise to get that view. (laughs) I'm going to look out for it. Yeah, please do. And I did my very best. I looked everywhere for this male oracle, and I could not find him. He's uncredited. There's no name for him. They literally are treating him like a piece of meat. He has no name. He's nothing to them but eye candy. I tried, Sean. I tried. I believe you. You're a very horny person, Rob, so I know you really wanted to dig into that oracle. Well, I was doing it for the purpose of Hot Man Meter, just in Uh case one of us wanted to... Anyways... Phoebe comes up with a leprechaun and a dwarf in hopes that they can free Paige. The leprechaun thinks that they need fairies' help to get Paige loose, so Chris explains that the Titans are killing white lighters to get their orbing power. Piper realizes they are after elders and send Leo's to send, sends Leo to warn them. However, when Leo arrives, he only finds dead elders. Sean, what did you think seeing this scene and just the thoughts of all these elders dying, something that Ames tried to do and almost succeeded, but the Titans did it. Yeah, that's crazy. They're so powerful. And I like, this is the first time we really get to see heaven, isn't it? 
No, they've been up there before. So again, when they thwarted Ames from carrying out the plan, he oh, ended right. up he ended up orbing up there. But yes, that's probably the first or second time. I'm sure there's probably more, but off the top of my head, that one definitely was a time that they were up there. So Phoebe is angry at Chris for not warning them of what was going on earlier, but Chris was afraid to say too much for fear of making the future worse. Piper comes in to report that she hasn't heard from Leo in five hours, and she tells Chris to bring Leo back. Do you still condone the power of time travel and the fact that Chris could not say anything to warn them, causing all of these elders to die? So before you answer that, I just want to add that (laughs) isn't Chris being back there also fucking up the timeline? I mean... If he is worried about changing too many things, his presence is also doing that too. So I don't get it. (laughs) I've always thought that same thing is like, if he has to go back to the past to fix the past in order to like have the right future, is that then the wrong future since he has to go back and change it? Like, why wouldn't it just happen on its own? Well, I guess if the elders lived, it would have changed too much. But again, just him being there... I would think that is risking it all anyway. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is, do you think that Chris should have taken the risk and prevented all of these deaths? I think it's that age old question though. Like who's to say that he hasn't seen the future where they all survive. Maybe it's worse. Maybe like Hitler's resurrected and he makes a baby with Trump and it's the antichrist. (laughs) No, that's fair. That's fair. I think having that bit of information and not saying anything, especially with a straight face, is just, it's it's interesting. But at the same time, I guess because they died already in his future, that he can't really mourn or feel, I guess, responsible. I don't know. I mean, he went back so Paige wouldn't die, but yet he didn't care about any of these elders not dying. So it's a little half and half for me. Chris orbs to the heavens to find Leo distraught over the carnage. Leo is also angry at Chris for not telling him sooner. Chris tells him that some elders managed to escape and there's only one way to defeat the Titans. Leo realizes what Chris is suggesting, releasing the god powers. He's skeptical, but Chris tells them they had to die so Leo could be free to think out of the box and protect his family. The leprechaun, dwarf, and fairy manage to free Paige. She and Phoebe head down to find Piper on the couch, worried that Leo won't come back. The magical beings head out to protect the surviving elders while the sisters fight the titans. All of this is too much for Piper, and she calls for Leo. Leo! Leo hears her call, but Chris tells him he needs to stay up and coordinate their defense. Leo suggests Chris go back down to explain what's happening. Leo releases the powers of the gods, and the sisters find themselves dressed in white, ancient Greek outfits. Chris tells them that they are gods. Phoebe becomes the goddess of love, Piper the goddess of earth, and Paige the goddess of war. I love when (laughs) they first turn, we get classic Phoebe being random as fuck, and just like (laughs) holding her hair out and spinning in circles. (laughs) I know the goddess of love loves those extensions. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Chris makes a line to Leo about releasing the power of the gods onto the sisters. And Leo's like, it's forbidden. And, you know, Chris is like, yeah, well, the elders aren't around to stop you, are they? And I was like, too soon, Chris. Too it soon. just happened. 
<laughs> um, so here's the thing. Would you trust Chris, given he is from the future? He sounds very snidey and untrustworthy. What do you think about Chris at this point? Everyone has their doubts. Even Leo is like, you could be planning all of this for your own benefit. We don't even know if there is a benefit. Like, what do you think about Chris at this point in the episode? The thing about him, which I think is dangerous, is he showed up at the perfect time to make sure they have no choice but to trust him. Like, what are they going to do? There's gods rampaging. So, yeah, his idea to turn the sisters into goddesses, what else are you going to (laughs) do? But here's the other thing that was kind of funny. So, Chris sees Paige for the first time. Did you notice that hello he gave her? Look at them licks as he was saying hi to Paige. I was like, Chris, don't be looking lips like that. I can't. I can't. First of all, hot secondly come on now (laughs) what did you i don't know if you noticed that did you notice that i'm so glad you noticed that too like i didn't know if i was just crazy i was like this is weird either it's just the way that chris acts but i was just like you looked a little too happy to see Paige. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) well we end part one with the sisters turned into gods. You want to know what happens next? Join us tomorrow when part two is posted Monday morning and we finish up our season five finale. Was I supposed to watch part two also? Yes, Sean. You were supposed to. God damn it. Hi, I'm Rob, and I'm a movie geek. This podcast, Movie Geek and Proud, promotes the idea that if there is a movie you like that no one else does, don't feel guilty about it. Or that one film that everyone talks about is so good, but the hype just doesn't live up to your expectation, there's nothing wrong with your opinion. Either way, you're gonna like what you're gonna like. New episodes to the podcast are bi-weekly on Wednesdays, with one episode devoted to reviewing titles of my personal collection to see if they hold up, called Rob's Rewind. And the other episode is Movie Club, like Book Club, but reviewing any titles out there old and new worth talking about with a rotating panel of friends to help out. The show also includes smaller segments such as Question of the Week, movie drafts, quarantine quickies, and much more. If you want to hear a different perspective on titles you may have forgotten about, or hear the first watch thoughts of films you will not believe I have not seen before, this is the podcast for you. I am a firm believer that every film has at least one fan out there. My motto is, there are no such thing as guilty pleasures, forget the haters, and no matter what, you should be proud of your taste in film. This podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Anchor FM, Spotify, and other popular podcast apps. See you at the movies someday.